Hello, hello, hello. Hope you're doing really well. Welcome to another episode of Snatched. <laughs> I mean, that's wow. Okay, that was a lovely introduction. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Um, so, hi guys. Welcome to another episode of Snatched. Um, Noir Black and back again. We are continuing with part two of Good Morning Black Britain, and I am joined by the Dark Lord himself, the Black Hello. Prince of Northwest London. We have to oh, be speci- we have to specify. Yes. <laughs> you are. Hello, everybody. Hello, Wigs and Snatchets. I hope you're doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> so we are continuing our chat about being black in the workplace and um, mm. you know, our careers and how this affected mm. us, and obviously general conversations about that. So if you haven't listened to part one, we suggest you start there because we really delve into like our personal experiences and what we've kind of seen so far in our careers. Mm. This week, we're going to delve a little bit deeper into, I guess, some examples and I guess also, um, what do I want to say? Like constant situations within different um, career sectors that we kind of want to dissect a little bit further, I guess. Mm. Um, So I'm going to start off with um, something that I think quite a few black people can relate to, um, especially if they're in the um, corporate world. Being the only black in the village. Yeah. Oh, how does that feel? Like, if you're the only black in the village, how does, how, if, if, I think you said last episode that you have been one of very few, or sometimes the only black yeah. person, black male, um, within a work situation. How has that, yeah. like, impacted you? And how have you tried to, like, I guess, break out against the stereotypes of being the only black man? in the village mm-hmm. and also the only maybe the only black gay male in the village because yeah. that's two yeah. things you're battling against yeah i think you know what when you are when you walk into an organization and you realize that yeah you are the only black in the village it is hard mm. it's really hard and it's tough like a yes because you know the obvious things that you don't necessarily see people that look like you B, you're like, oh my God, can I be my authentic self or do I need to code switch? Because mm-hmm. actually, you know, looking around me, I'm all, I'm surrounded by white middle class people. So do I need to flex my style in order to kind of basically fit in? B, C, um, you know, you've got the pressure that, you know, you are trying to break some of the stereotypes because you are the one person and potentially the only the only person, only black person that your working peers are going to interact with. Yeah. So anything that any projects that you're working with them on or any interactions or any meetings, you have that in the back of your mind where you're like, okay, cool. I need to be careful because I want it to be a positive experience because I don't want to make them feel a particular type of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. D, you feel that you cannot be your authentic self if I'm being brutally honest, because Mm -hmm. you're afraid that they are not going to understand you. There's a cultural difference there. There's a, there's a skin complexion difference there. Mm -hmm. There is an upbringing difference there. Um, So it is a lot. I don't feel that you actually realize how the complexity of how emotionally and mentally draining it can be. Mm -hmm. Um, You feel sometimes that you have to explain, for me personally, I feel that I had to explain, I've had to explain myself and my culture over and over again. So for example, oh, where are you from? London. 
where are you really from? London and mm. Britain. Oh, where, where are your parents from? Oh, well, my mum's my British. She was born in Jamaica, but <laughs> like, yeah, my mum's Jamaican, really. Oh, okay, cool. Oh my God, you were another another colleague who could have another conversation. Um, oh, so where where about you from? Northwest London. I'm telling you, mm. I have to explain myself now. So it's, mm-hmm. it's quite it's quite difficult. Yeah. Um, I do feel that sometimes, um, you know, there is an element of you feel super isolated, of course, mm-hmm. because you're the only person there. Um, you can really feel, and sometimes you can be a little bit. Not dismissive, that's not the right word I'm looking for. What word am I looking for? Um, you know what? I feel sometimes I have in the past uh, slighted myself okay. because I don't want to be the focus mm-hmm. of... Yeah. I don't want to be the focus because by being the focus, then it makes me feel that I'm some sort of animal in the zoo or, okay, cool, there's a token black man. I, I don't I don't want to be the focus, so I have to. I have slightened myself... Uh, uh, in some aspects Mm. um so yeah it is really it is it's yeah it is really hard it does definitely affect you emotionally I would definitely say mentally and spiritually as well and yeah it is very interesting um because you could score that pressure you have got a lot of pressure say you know when sometimes you're the only black person how does that dynamic change when another black person joins so now there's two of you or yeah. if you join a workplace and there's only one other black person yeah. and you join, like, yeah. do you ever know? Because I definitely notice there's like a kind of a tension yeah. sometimes between you and the other black person. Yeah, I <laughs> agree. Do you know what it is? I can't explain it, but I know other black people know what I'm talking about. Like yeah. with girls, sometimes or women, I should say, like I definitely have shared and I've shared and other people shared experiences of like the other black girl doesn't want to be your friend. They yeah. don't want to be with you because, like, they don't want to be yeah. two blackies together. Um, or, like, they're very kind of, like, you know, they want to sometimes, not all the time, but align themselves more with their white colleagues. So yeah. you can talk about certain things and, like, they're just pretending they don't know what you're talking about or, you yeah. know, you know, they're not from that area. They've never frequent that part of London or they're not from... You yeah. know, it's... Do you know... Have you ever been in that situation where you've joined and there's a black person there... Like, how did that relationship, if anything, build or not build? Yeah, you know what? It took a while for it to build. Yeah. That's it. It took a while. I think, yeah, rocked in or I I rocked up or they the other person rocked up. And they, I get what you're saying in terms of there is a moment of tension, right? Mm-hmm. You're just like, okay, cool. I recognise that you're another black person and I'm black. <laughs> Okay, well, it's going to be sort of like a little, like, a cowboy sh- kind of showdown, right? <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. It's like an invisible thing, right? Yeah. Um, and I agree with you. I think, yeah, there is a moment of kind of, like, tension. And when it has happened to me in the park, it took a while for the relationship to basically build. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to go out my way to beg friend. I wouldn't do that whether you're black, white, Asian, South Asian. It doesn't really, I don't go big friend. And equally, I don't expect people to come and beg friend with me, mm-hmm. right? But it's interesting. There is no active, um, and I think it, um, there is no like um, active kind of drive to like, you know, bond. Like yeah. there is, there is, that, that isn't there. No. Um, I think it's almost, if it naturally becomes a relationship, then that is good. And maybe... And this is kind of, I hope I'm able to articulate this in the right way, mm-hmm. but because you recognise, you're like, okay, cool. Maybe there might be a subconscious thing where you're like, 
where we could be like the two two black people could be um, thinking to themselves, oh, you know what? Don't we? We shouldn't band together because mm. you know what? It might look a particular, it might feel or look a particular yeah, way yeah, to the yeah. organization. So you know what? Let's just keep our distance. If it naturally becomes a relationship, then it naturally becomes a relationship. Mm-hmm. But yeah, one hundred and ten percent, I absolutely know what you're talking about. The tension, and it's not just black girls; yeah. it's black men as well. Yeah. Like you can have it when you walk down the road. Like I walk down the road, and a brother would look at me, and I'm looking at him, and I'm just like, "This man's tearing in my be- tearing in my face. What are you tearing in my face for? Black like, and you. <laughs> Like, already, I'm I'm on I'm I'm on the, I'm at defense, right? But these yeah. times there, he could be just looking to be like, you know what, go through, brother. You look cool, it's true, yeah. loving the trainers, etc. But there is a moment sometimes we have when we there is a moment of tension that we do go through in the workplace, but then equally on streets as well. Mm. Um, and I think yeah, we need to kind of like, and I do feel that comes. It's I think it's an inherited thing from being slaves if mm. i'm honest i do feel uh, listen we were out here trying to fight to survive do you know what i mean so yeah. irrespective of we're like listen we we got to fend for ourselves so of course there's going to be some sort of with that competitive or that tension mm-hmm. that element of tension between us is absolutely um i would say present back then now yeah and yeah i think it's something that we need to do kind of like to break that I don't, that was very long-winded. No, but Sorry. I think, I think, because I've never, I don't think I've had that experience personally. Like I've yeah. never gone, I've been the only black and no other black person has joined. Yeah. I've gone to situations where there was a small amount of black women or whatever, but actually end up kind of doing the kind of ally, talking in the kitchen. Oh, I really like your hair. So we, I, I've never had that situation where you, I've never had that situation where you're not my kind of black person i know it sounds really awful but not every black person we're not a monolith right so there's sometimes people assume if you're all black you all like each other and you're all because we're all from different backgrounds we're all from different cultural upbringings we're all from different class groups so sometimes you meet some black people like i'm just thinking of i'm thinking of top shop right and i'm thinking of somebody in top shop that that right. I don't I don't think anyone is friends with this person anymore anyway. Um but a black person that I'm thinking of and Do I know this person? You will. Okay, well you might not remember their you might not remember their name. They might not remember their name, but I just yeah. remember like meeting them and I just thought like you're such a different kind of black girl to me. Like you're so yeah. different to me because like for example, things to do with doing your hair, like I guess I just feel like I've always been taught to invest time in hair, right? Like yeah. that's whether I'm sending money for someone to do it for me yeah. or I'm doing it myself. And I've always been taught to go to those who are skilled enough to do black hair. And those are often oh, yeah. black women, right? So yeah. I'm not yeah. really sure why you would go <laughs> and pay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not being on. a cow, but I'm just saying, like, it's really difficult to have conversations with sometimes with those kind of black girls because they don't want to listen to you. So hair, for example, is a real cont- contentious issue between black women. Yeah. We should be allowed to wear our hair wherever we want. But sometimes I'm having conversations with other black girls, or and I'm, I'm thinking of this black girl in particular, and they're looking at you like, but you're not. Like, why would you just not go to, like, a white salon? Why would you just not? But And I'm like, but you've paid this amount of money for what? Auntie Jenny can do for me in Dolson Market 
for £40, pounds, yeah. you've paid £200 pounds and it, it still looks like a bird's nest on your head. So I'm not really quite sure like why you're trying to make yeah. me feel like I am not on your level. And obviously then yeah. like, you know, if you look on social media and you can also see, for example, that, you know, there might only be, you could see that they're more aligned with like the white, white peers. Yeah. And that in itself can make you also feel like you're like an uncultured black, but you might, you don't know what you're talking about. And that can mm. also cause like a, I don't, I once said I didn't like this person. Actually, I thought they were a really sweet person, but I just thought yeah. we're not, we can't, we're, we're actually not going to be allies in this, in this yeah. situation, because if something comes yeah. up, I just feel like we're not going to be allies. I feel like you're just going to yeah. tell me that I'm, you know, some people say they don't see racism. You know, some black people will tell you they don't see it. That's what this person made me think of. Now, obviously, mm. it's been years since we left Topshop. And um, sorry, I'm being very specific about the situation, but oh well. Um, it's been years since we left Topshop. So I would hope that there'll be some growth and change in that person. Maybe they're very different in how they they view race and how they see themselves as a beautiful black woman. That's what but I... Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, no, for sure. But I think that individual, because I think I know what you're talking about, I think there was an identity kind of crisis. <laughs> Yes. No, I mean, there was. I think there was definitely an identity type of crisis. And to be fair, I don't think it was their fault. No. Because I don't necessarily think at the time, that I don't think they had grown in the culture. And I think the only time that they experienced the culture and it was quite in your face face was when we were at work. Yes. When we were at work. So, yeah, no, 100%. I agree. So it's like that cultural difference yeah it sometimes becomes like you know you're saying it's like a tension it can be a tension it's not it's not enough for me to dislike you it's not enough for me to think i'm better than you or or i feel inferior to you but it's enough to be like oh hold on we are two very different black people like we we view things so totally different also like i'll be admit like probably when i was younger i probably had very kind of like black views like Mm. black only black this black that which because I grew up in South London around black people so that's what it was but as I went to uni I started going to work you start to realize well you can't actually just stay in that black bubble um we have to be part of the rest of society and as much as we Mm. can protect ourselves within our bubble of blackness like what that then what that then does is it it forces us to just stay in that and we, mm. the, the oppressors, as I can say, you know, that, that group of people can keep us trapped in our bubble because we're not even mm. allowing ourselves to come out of it to be like, well, hold on one second. Like, yeah, you're white and I'm black. Okay, we are, we're never going to agree. But I am I am equal to you. I can do this job with you. What we do mm. is, or what I tend find tends to happen is we go and separate ourselves. Mm. And there's nothing wrong. And I think I mentioned this in the last episode, there's nothing wrong with having our own spaces, but we have to co-op the spaces that already exist. Because if we don't mm. do that, we're going to continue to be separate. So I just think mm. it, it was a wake up call for me. But I, as I said, she was a nice person, but just wasn't my kind of, that sounds awful. My kind of black, what does that even mean? My kind of black person. I was going to say, what does that, what, what does my kind do of black mean? Do you know what? I... Oh, this is so hard to encapsulate in a sentence because I love black people as a group. I love us, us as a, how we are, but I need there's a there's a balance. I can't. I find it really difficult to be around hoteps and people who are so pro black to the point where you are actually kind of behaving like a racist who would be pro white. Like it's like you're going too Great. far that way. I can't 
be with when I hear it start coming out of the mouth like we're kings and queens of Egypt drop me out my ears have shut off I'm not interested um or like yeah every black woman should just have afros well no black women should be allowed to wear their hair everywhere any way they want like I don't need to be hearing this in the workplace so those kind of black people I can't but I also can't deal with I find it really difficult to engage with black people who like the girl I was describing earlier Mm -hmm. it's like an identity crisis and it's very you're too far the other way to the point where you're discounting. I'm not saying she was, but there are black people like this who do this, who are discounting the experiences of black people to say mm. it's not that bad. You know, sometimes you see it on social media where you might have mm. a black man with a white partner and he will say, well, I haven't experienced racism with this with white this white woman and her white family. So therefore it doesn't exist. People need mm. to stop complaining about it. White people are fine. You can't say that because even if you haven't experienced it, it doesn't mean other people haven't. And I find sometimes in the workplace, when I'm talking about that only black in the village and you meet another black person, sometimes when you're trying to build that allyship that's not happening, you'll have that they'll stay silent, even if they know you're being mistreated or they'll stay silent when issues are going on. And it could be you just need someone to talk to to be like Mm. okay is that happening to you too or you've worked here long enough like how can I approach the situation it's sort of like off you go that's Mm. you know I worked when I worked in that school and I talked about it last episode I had that head teacher I remember her doing the assembly and this school was predominantly ethnic minorities it's in a very it's in South London it's a black school yeah a lot of black black and Asian and obviously they had a lot they had like poor white working class kids too so it's not a school where it's like middle-class kids and everyone's up going horse riding on the weekend. It's really not that kind of school. And she was a black head teacher. She did an assembly for some weird reason, telling us that when she was young, she was the only black family. They were the only black family on the street. So she had to represent. And every time she stepped out of her house, she was representing her family and her culture. And she was a black woman and that never left her. And her moral compass is this way because she's black. Some of these black kids are sitting... I remember my student, I won't say his name, but he said to me, Miss, what's she going on about? Like, what this doesn't even make any sense. Like, we're black, but I don't understand why she's doing this. In this. Like, all the teachers were just like, yeah. what are you trying to say here? Like, you're trying to say that you're pointing out the black kids in this assembly hall to say that they better show up, shut up and fall into line. Because yeah. if they don't, then they're going to fail. That's basically mm. what I took from her message. And a lot of the black kids in the audience were kind of looking around like, why is she, I feel like she's talking to us. Like we're doing something wrong. And you're in mm. a position of power in a workplace where people are looking up to you. That also means that are you telling the rest of the black staff that we have to fall into line with white ideals? Otherwise we're, we're not, basically we're going to fail. I don't know. It's just very, yeah. I've already gone off on a complete tangent. But. no. I just, yeah, I feel really bad for pointing out this guy in Top Shop. I'm so sorry. But um, anyway, we're not friends on social media anymore. I love you. It's, it's all good. It's, it's all, all good. good. But no, you know what's really interesting? The story that you told about the head teacher, and I think you mentioned it um, uh, earlier on, yeah. is that whole element of aligning to, um, uh, what's to call it? Um, not to, 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 to the white, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What is the word? Like ideals or no? There we go. Yeah. Almost, yeah. White ideal or the uh, white expectation. And what I'm saying, let me just be clear, because I don't want any of our white wigs and statues to come for me or yeah, come yeah. for us. But however, we all know that the default in the world 
is white, heterosexual, able-bodied male. We yes. know it. If you are a white woman, you are at a default. Hence the mm-hmm. reason why the rise of Me Too movement, etc., is irrespective yeah. in the corporate world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're white, able-bodied, heterosexual male, you are default. So over the years, obviously, you know, over the past couple of years or 10 years, whatever, organizations and people really trying to push the needle forward in terms of an inclusion diversity perspective. You know, mm-hmm. it is about empowering women's rights. It's about empower, um, women's um, equality in the workplace, about their safety, etc. Mm-hmm. However, I find it quite interesting because the the white female experience in the corporate world is very different to the black female experience in the yeah. corporate world. It would be very different to the, the black male experience to the, in the corporate world, sure. right? But if we're talking about, let's say we're just focusing on the female gender for the mm-hmm. moment. If you're a woman that's in business, absolutely, you know, you do all these kind of things to kind of like, you know, elevate your position, put them in positions of leadership, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's still work to be done. However, I do feel that there is something that's happening at the moment where I feel females are aligning themselves to the white, able-bodied male mm. ideal of how people should act and behave within the workplace mm-hmm. and outside of the workplace. And actually it's taking away from the actual true essence of what we're trying to do here, yeah. right? And it's very interesting how... And maybe the alignment, like, you know, and I'm not telling to saying that this is just white women that align themselves to the, the white stereotype male ideal or the male default. Mm-hmm. But there are black women and black men who and Asian women and Asian men that align themselves to the white able bodied male ideal. Yes. And that's a problem because you know, you that's how you can feel quite isolated sometimes if you don't necessarily align to that ideal. Mm-hmm. No one wants to be the only person in the fucking village. Mm-hmm. No one wants to be. Do you know what I mean? Like, by everyone wants to be, um, uh, no one wants to stand on the island by themselves, of right? Course. So it's quite dangerous if that, if I feel, this, that is what's happening actually, mm-hmm. I'm sort of what I feel, what I think I've seen it firsthand. Mm-hmm. It's quite dangerous if we continue down that path because, we don't want to end up in a space where actually we've gone straight back to where we were like 15 years ago, because actually it's easier, isn't it? To, uh, to align yourself to the ideal. Yeah. Because you'll probably get where you need to get to quicker. You're not going to be the only person in the village. You're not going to feel isolated on your island, et cetera. Et cetera. So I do feel that there is something there mm-hmm. that needs to be explored or actually to your point, it's about holding that space mm-hmm. and sitting in that space and yeah. being confident to be like, this is the space that we're in these are the fucking issues that's going on. This is what we're going to be mm-hmm. doing. This is the support that we need. I think it is about holding, standing firm because, and I, but I do understand that it's hard yeah, it's to really continue hard. to have that resilience, to continue to stand mm-hmm. firm, to continue to show up and show out. It is mm-hmm. hard. And especially if you are the only minority ethnic in that fucking village, mm-hmm. like, because you're just like, drop me out, give me a bone, bitch. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's hard, it's yeah. hard. But I do feel anybody who's listening um, that is in this situation, stand firm in your truth, stand firm in your position, hold that space. And I think there is, I, mm-hmm. I am, I am um, concerned, as I said, in terms of, how easy it is, I feel, for people to align themselves to the white, able-bodied male yeah. ideal. The shift yeah. is, is definitely happened. 
yet. And yeah. I and I and I say, uh, although I say that, I do want to say to any of our listeners who are who are the default. Let's call it what it is. Why mm-hmm. everybody's males? Um, you know what? You have a position of privilege. Obviously, like please, obviously support us, push forward, and hold the space that we actually mm. need. Like, I don't want, and this is quite, I know I might be going off a little bit off topic, off topic, so I apologise. Um, but I can appreciate, I was doing something at work the other day. I was delivering a session and someone mentioned to me, oh, I've, I've, I've spoken to a colleague that doesn't work in, I don't think the region, but works in a different region. And, mm. you know, he was basically saying that, um, you know, he doesn't necessarily feel that there is a space for him because, you know, the whole IND agenda is really driven forward, Mm -hmm. unconscious bias, etc. So he feels a little bit redundant and it's almost like he feels a particular type of way. And I found that quite interesting. And I said to her, like, listen, I think that says more about the individual and their Mm -hmm. insecurity in comparison to actually the conversation, what needs to happen, right? But I do appreciate Mm -hmm. that, if the person is not secure in actually what the overarching message is, then of course they're going to feel, oh my God, okay, cool, my space is being taken away from me. But your space can never be taken away from you because no. you are default. Yeah. So you need to understand that. Um, so it's just very interesting. I do feel that I don't want any of like, you know, our white everybody male listeners to feel, this is not a space for us. It is a space for you. But yeah. I think you just need to appreciate and lean into your privilege and actually support us on the journey. Like we hear you, we need mm-hmm. you. It, 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 we need to hear your voices as well. Yeah. So I, it's it's quite sorry. So I went off on a bit of a tangent. It's quite very interesting. I think it's quite apt, um, though. And yeah. I think some of some of the things you're talking about definitely relate to some of these dinosaur industries and companies that have been around for so long. They have CEOs who have nose hair growing out of their, you know, down to their lip, well, lip top lip, and <laughs> haven't, you know, they don't see the needs for change and it's quite mm. interesting you know I went to a conference uh was it last week or week before time is dragging by I went to a conference and it was about Gen Z it was really good and me and my colleague went, went and I was just laughing because the guy that was delivering a session about Gen Z was a Gen X is that right yeah Gen X yeah. so one's our parents age you know like mm-hmm. or young auntie's age so mid 40s to 60s that kind of group you are delivering a session about what Gen Z need. How can you, someone who's not in that group, you can observe as much as you like, but how can you deliver a session? Wouldn't it make more sense for a millennial, for example, who are normally the older siblings of the Gen, mm. Gen Zs, right? They're, they're our younger siblings, our younger cousins. Mm. We probably have more proximity because we're closer, but it's very hard for people our age to become CEOs, managing directors, you know, most of them are mid forties to mid sixties, generally. Mm. When below mm. forty five, is is quite unlikely. It's always kind of Forbes thirty under thirty, forty under forty, and it's seen as this, mm. you know, milestone. It's an amazing achievement, and that's not to take away from the people that have got it, but it's already setting in stone. Those people who are the thirty under thirty are going to be the MDs at sixty, making decisions about people who are twenty five. It makes no yeah. sense. So yeah. the thing is, is that what I'm hoping is that where the younger Gen Z kind of are a bit more culturally aware, a little bit more savvy, have a bit more spirit about business, that they're actually going to be the ones who will be building new startups, who are going to be looking at business models and changing things completely, having diversity at its core, changing the way that they have work models. Because like these, yeah. these businesses are shaking. Alan Sugar, his, his shoes are shaking. He wants people to yeah. come back to the office. Absolutely not, honey. 
because you have investment. You know me and Alan. It's, it's a love hate relationship. You and Alan. But he's yeah. got offices sitting in central London that are empty. So his investment portfolio in terms of property is dwindling yeah. because no one is paying rent to come to the office. Well, I'm sorry, dinosaur. Things have changed. So yeah. I feel like there is a little bit of hope that those that are younger. Um, you know, mm. the Gen Zs are a little bit more aware of what's going on in the world. However, mm-hmm. it is what is happening is, you know, you have these MDs of like massive companies who are, you know, they're fueling this shift that you're talking about, about, you know, women, especially white women. We have, For example, let's talk about like the Trump campaign. I know I'm not getting into that too in depth, but if you look at who voted mm. and what the women that were voting for Trump, a lot of them were white women in America voting for someone who is, mm. has been, allegedly, you know, accused of sexual assault was was part mm. of things with Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, Epstein and all part mm. of that Prince Andrew. He's all part of that little clique of power. But you're voting mm. for that person. Why? So I feel mm. like I agree with you. The dismantling and the change and the shift has to come from the people who are on the same level as us who are going through it and are challenging, which is why I said like last episode, I know it was, we got into it about who should facilitate conversations and stuff. I I do strongly believe that if you are lucky enough to be, have a privilege that you should use it to do good. If I was in a position of, as a black woman and I see, and I'm an MD and I see uh, a young black girl starting in the workplace and she's being bullied by her white peers. This is just an example, but she might be mm. being bullied by her white peers. And I sit back and I do nothing. I do nothing to elevate where she is. I do nothing. All that happens is she is has a negative experience. Her emotional mental health is drained and she just might just leave. She might think, I'm not even going to fight mm. this. I'm just going to go to next workplace and carry that, carry that mm. experience and then pass that on. That, that's a, that's mm. us giving, talking about our experiences of work. We, now for our children, now what happens? The same thing our parents told us. If you're black, you have to work 10 times harder. Because we have an yeah. experience of change. So now we're about to pass on the same message to our children that unfortunately, the world doesn't think people like you and me are as talented or we, mm. we, we don't, we can work hard. We can be a good workhorse. You know, we can facilitate as much as you want us to and get stuff done but we're not clever enough to make decisions to change mm. how this company operates. And that is mm. what's scary to me mm. um, about being black in the workplace and being a black woman as well. Like woman, double-edged sword, you know, you can't do much. Yeah, no, anyway. absolutely. I, I think, you know what, and I think going on to, I know you mentioned around, you know, the Gen Z and obviously being quite entrepreneurial and creative. Yeah. And I think actually us as like, um, as minority ethnics across the board, black, I mean, yeah, Black, Asian, uh, South Asian. I think there's just a lot of creativity and there's a lot of entrepreneurial spirit, I believe, mm-hmm. um, that's in, um, uh, you know, our Black community. But I still think that we are at a disadvantage in in quite a few crafts. And I just want to just wanna find out from your perspective, like, mm-hmm. why do you think that is? If we've contributed so much to mm-hmm. A, corporate world, B, entertainment, movies, music, like, do you know, philosophy. If we if, if we have um, uh, contributed so much, why are we still uh, at a mm. disadvantage? I've got a few ideas and some people might agree, might think I'm being a bit harsh, but I think as a community, we're very good at hustling. We're very good at finding ingenious solutions to things, but we do not have the business knowledge as it has not been imparted onto us. Copywriting, um, IP, 
um, making sure mm. that you trademark a name, making sure you register your company. These are all mm. things that we don't necessarily have access to and a knowledge to it. So when, you know, I can think of that girl, what was her name? Peaches Brown, the woman that came up with eyebrows on fleek. She mm. never trademarked it. She never trademarked it. So therefore you had misguided. You had ASOS. You had Topshop. You had makeup companies literally reusing her phrase over and over and over. She made no money from it at all. Mm-mm. And it was it is one of the most iconic catchphrases of the last mm-hmm. 10 years. Like mm. eyebrows on fleek. Everybody was saying it and she never monetized mm. it. So I think the issue is, is that we don't, always have the tools and the access access to knowledge in order to mm. ring fence our, our ideas. Also, and this is going to be a controversial one, but not everybody is invited to the cookout. I'm absolutely going to say this because... Not everybody's know, invited to the cookout. Have you heard this phrase? So it's an American no. phrase that yeah. if you have like a white, a white ally or somebody who like... Oh, I'm trying to think of someone who'd be invited to the cookout. Oh, let me think of someone who'd be invited to cookout, like a white celeb. Adele. Invited to the cookout. Adele would be right. invited to the cookout because, you know, she um, she's a stand for Beyonce. She had her hair in Cane Rose for Carnival. She loved black culture. She speaks yeah. about stuff. So she's someone we'd invite to the cookout. Yeah, so we're, we're always, like, letting people in. So... I what I want to say about that is that sometimes we have our own things that are unique to us. So, for example, there was a company that trademarked trademarked the word Yoruba. Am I right? Um, please, someone mm-hmm. correct me. They trademarked something an African phrase. I'm so sorry, I can't remember what it was. They trademarked it. They actually did it in a way that a wow. company wanted to use it. They couldn't use it, and they were a black owned company who wanted to use the phrase. To find out that it was owned by like two men in Switzerland or something who had no correlation to it. I'm really going to try and find out what it is and I will correct myself in another episode because I'm probably completely wrong. But something like things like that happen where our Mm. stuff gets co-opted. Like how can Balenciaga be releasing Ghana Must Go bags as part of their fashion line and charging? It's a madness. Like it's crazy that we do not, fight it as a lot of our stuff gets like jamie oliver jerk rice you can't jerk, jerk rice. rice all these things that we just yeah. kind of let slide and sometimes the companies respond and they stop doing it and it's great but i think we let sometimes we let too many like sometimes we're so like oh my god that white boy can dance or that white boy can speak yoruba or that white boy can do this and we just let them in we just like yeah come on and then they make money yeah. off it like they make money. Yeah. For example, Santan Dave was that two, three years ago now. Life we lost two years of our life, boys. So I can't remember. So when Santan Dave did Santan Dave Dave <laughs> did uh, was it Glastonbury, and the, he brought the white boy up on stage, mm. and he the white boy performed Tiago Silva, which is one of Dave and AJ Tr- Tr- Tracy Tracy Tracy's biggest hits, right? And off the back of that, the boy got a record deal. The boy got more column inches and more. It's like it was the boy's song. Yeah, I don't know what the boy's name, Joe, Stephen, wow. whatever his name was. Off, Dave is acclaimed. I'm not taking away from his shine. He's had number one album this year, etc. But the focus was not on whose song it was. It was about mm. this boy who didn't write the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. 
came and performed it and suddenly he, he's got a record deal. And there are loads of black young black boys who love to rap, etc., and they don't get and they, yeah, the keys to the kingdom. Um, and my last yeah. example is TikTok. A lot of the, the viral dances, a lot of the viral videos you see, often created by ethnic minority creators, mm. and they do mm. not get the the recognition. Like Addison Ray, mm. I had to Google to make sure her name was correct. Was invited onto Jimmy Fallon to perform the most popular TikTok dances that majority mm-hmm. of them were created by black creators and mm. why is she invited onto the show she's made a whole career off it i believe she went to the met gala even am i right she went mm. to met gala like this is nuts like tiktok stars mm. where were the black creators that's why i appreciate people like lewis hamilton lewis hamilton why the fuck i can't remember anyone's name the f1 driver right yeah. i'm so tired yeah. lewis hamilton yeah sorry guys the morning coffee so there's probably gonna be so many errors please correct me but lewis hamilton to met gala brought minority designers with him on the ticket. Yeah. Because he's saying one night they could meet so many people here this evening. Yeah. He is somebody like who also seems to be getting final with age. Anyway, that's a conversation for another age. Uh, I want to go another conversation. Uh, No. Okay, cool. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Anyway, yeah. Um yeah, he's brought he's brought them in. I thought that's what you do. That's how you don't gatekeep. So you know I think I don't know what's going on, but I think from a business standpoint, I think that we don't always have the business skills and it's all mm. about hustling and making money and stuff. And sometimes if we went through the right channels, we might be able mm. to become, there are, they're not, there's not to say there's not big successful businesses, but what I don't understand is sometimes they get brought up. So I'm thinking of Shea Moisture, the hairline, which was mm-hmm. obviously black owned is now no longer black owned. And mm. the original concept of it has become watered down to, to suit mass audiences. Why do you do that? Because then you lose your core black audience as well who are buying yeah. from you. And it's a product mm. that works for us. If we want to go and buy stuff that is for white hair, let me go and buy Dove. It's okay. Mm. I can go and go buy Dove. I can go and buy Head and Shoulders and I'll use that instead. Our hair mm. is different. And now you've changed mm. our product to suit to say that all curly hair, even if you have like, very loose type two curls should be using Shea Moisture when they have John Frieda frizzies. I don't know why they need to use Shea Moisture. It's okay to... No, I'm <laughs> sorry. You know what I mean, though. We, we, we yeah, don't no, have no, a lot of sure. stuff for us and a lot of products yeah. have been co-opted. So yeah, I think that's the problem. I, I, I don't yeah. want to say it's because we don't have the spirit. I mean, I saw a woman on uh, Twitter, that's why I always see stuff. She has designed a bonnet so it's a head bonnet mm-hmm. you wear to bed that when you tie, it becomes like a head tie. And you could just go, it looks really good. Like, And I was like, mm. that's really amazing. How long do I see mm. that on Pretty Little Thing, Fashion Nova, Misguided? Yeah. Have you copyrighted that? The ones yeah. who have copyrighted it are, um, oh, what's the black designer? You know who I'm talking about with the graphic design. With the... Do you know which one do I'm talking I? about? The tie-dye, I'm literally Googling, guys, right now. This is so embarrassing. She's in Forbes. She was in 30 Under 30. Um, Kai Collective or K Collective. Her stuff is now yeah. in Selfridges. She has trademarked her print. So yeah. when Miss Guy did House of CB, she was said, she know how she said, you know how many lawsuits I've got running? You are not going to make nice. money off my back. Yeah. Clever. Yeah. That's exactly the business. Yeah. That's what needs to happen. And 
I think you are right in terms of, you know what, like when you said around actually having just like the business, um, the mentality and that mindset, I think yeah, yeah, we've got so many, we've got so many creative ideas and, you know, we definitely have the spirit and the values and the drive, but then I think it's almost just like the education and how to, you know, mm-hmm. biz- make your, you know, make your business and solidify your business and having that mindset. I do feel that there is um, absolutely, when you're talking about, you know, company, the, ideas or us being watered down to suit to be more palatable for mass audience I think that that's a big thing that's to play as well and I just Mm -hmm. wanted to highlight that because I know we had conversations when we were talking before we even started to record this episode but I was using the example of uh, of 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 dark-skinned female singers like Mm. who is a dark-skinned female singer solo artist that's mm-hmm. been like super successful that's still in the game right now in the uk in the uk i mean the only one that i could think of seems to have some longevity but i wouldn't say she's up there anymore beverly knight maybe and i think even now she's doing like stage shows i don't think she's actually Broadway, doing yeah, she's doing theater and, yeah, yeah she, i don't yeah. actually think she's doing a music career Alexandra Burke was done dirty, so, you know, there's no point. We already know her story. She, I think she was treated quite badly with her career. Um, there aren't really any. Like, we had Eternal when we were younger, back in the day, Cleopatra. They could have yeah. been massive, and they were yeah. kind of dropped out. Yeah. I can't really... I can, I can name a lot of biracial or light-skinned singers. I can name quite a few. Um, right. I can't really name and many dark-skinned ones. And that's the thing there, isn't it? Because I do feel that, yeah, if you are a darker-skinned, like, artist... And I'm not... I'm saying this from a female perspective, right? Mm-hmm. From a fe- If you're a dark-skinned female, I think potentially it's harder for you to really break, uh, you know, the, the um, uh, mainstream in the UK. Mm. Or if they're trying to make you do that, they would want to change, like, your essence, your core, your values mm. in terms of your music. So, for example, like, I would... I mean, I don't want people to come for me, but, you know, <laughs> I would say Nao, amazing. Yeah, she's really good. Incredible. Three albums, epic. Epic, epic, epic. And I do, I I like LMA. I think, yeah, I I think, you know what? I do like that wonderful Mm. song, et cetera. Do I, who's the better songstress? Yeah. For me, I would go for Neo. Just, 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 just Neo. But actually, LMA's massive here. Massive in in America. America, Yeah. And but the thing is, if we were to move Neo to America, would Neo still would Neo blow up as much as LMA? I just feel there could be at play there because of the complexion of the skin. That's what I feel. I think Georgia Smith fits into that category as well. And Georgia Smith, yeah. I'm going to be controversial because I I think she's got a good voice. I think she's a stunning woman. But I couldn't tell you a single song of hers that I actually really like. I can't, I can't even get through an album. And I'm being deadly honest. I think mm. that when she first came out, she was. I felt like she had a really soulful energy to her. But now I'm not really sure what's going on. And I think that with Georgia Smith, the 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 controversy around the Peng Black Girls is that what it's called with Any? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard this song with Any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was, yeah. The, what was that's so bad. See, I don't even remember the other girl's name. The dark skinned girl that was singing at the beginning who was original on the original track. I don't even remember her name. That's awful. Yeah. I just know any, and I just know there was a girl who was singing in the original video. 
and it was an original track and then it went on to Colours. So Colours, if you don't know, is a really amazing platform on YouTube and they get singers to come and sing their songs live, basically. And nice. it's amazing. You get like another version of it. Loads of big stars do it. So if you go on to Colours, it literally exposes you to so many audiences global. It literally can yeah. uplift your song in minutes, basically. Yeah. Any came on and performed this song with Georgia Smith. I was like, eh? okay. So... In the video clips that were circulating around Twitter, I just kept seeing clips of Georgia Smith. I was like, oh, is Georgia Smith's new song? And I was like, oh, the actual singer herself has even been erased from media. She's a stunning dark-skinned girl, very talented um, rapper, but she's even been erased from the clips that I'm seeing going viral because Georgia's beauty eclipses the talent Mm. of the darker-skinned female. Even if Mm. I'm not saying Georgia Smith is terrible, please, I'm not saying that. What I'm trying to say is I think even Georgia Smith knows herself that it is an issue. hundred percent. So 100%. she brought out, actually brought out, I think when she did her set, I want to say Glastonbury again. I'm so, This year has been a blur, but she brought out yeah, Ellie yeah. and she brought out the yeah. singer. I'm going to find out her name because yeah. that's not fair. Like, I'm not going to keep saying yeah. like the singer because she has a name too. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, guys. I'm literally Googling right now. Right, so we can support. But I think her. you are right that yeah, Georgia Smith does actually know that there definitely is a problem. Yeah. Amia Brave, Amia Brave, that's her name. Amia Brave. Yeah. I'm so sorry, Amia. Um, yeah, sorry, Georgia Smith knows. Sorry, gone. <laughs> yeah, no, I was to say I was going to agree with you. I think yeah, Georgia Smith she knows, knows yeah, 100%. herself, and I think yeah. Amia herself did. She spoke about it on Twitter briefly, saying that it was mm. basically any and Georgia Smith on the same record label. Record labels thought, let's do a remix and put the two together because it exposed any to the mm. audience. But since then, I couldn't tell you any other songs any has done. But I can tell you that Georgia mm. Smith's got some new songs out and she's got an album. So who did it really benefit in the end anyway? It's like, like let me give you a little pat on the back to yeah. come up and then back back down you go. Um mm. But yeah, that's not just like George Smith. And I know some people really love her music. I personally am just not the hugest fan, but I think she's got a gorgeous voice. But do I think that she eclipses someone like Nao? 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 Yeah. And do I think she eclipses her? No, Um, I don't. Um, You know, Ray Ray Black. Black. Yeah. Oh my God. Her voice is absolutely outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. And the song Gully Queen. Oh. Outstanding. She's got an amazing voice. And yet Seem does not not seem to be able to break out. I don't really understand what's going on. She still doesn't seem to be able to get any higher. I don't know. Do we need Drake Mm. to come and get her on a track? I'm not sure. Like, like, Mm. I'm confused as to what's going on. So even within the spectrum of being talented, like you're saying, I think sometimes the talent is only given to certain people at certain points, depending on the complexion. And, you yeah. know, we can try our best to, like, say that it's all equal and all fair. But we, we already know as a community that colorism is at play. That's not to say that anybody's mm-hmm. light skin is not talented and hasn't got there on their own merit. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I think of Destiny's Child and I think Kelly Rowland has an amazing voice too i think she has an amazing voice i think she's stunning she does yeah and she cannot she just can't get there i don't know what it is she just cannot get to the same beyonce mm. is a powerhouse i'm a i'm a beehive member i love beyonce so it's not like yeah beyonce. yeah but why can kelly not get there like why can she not or even in a different sector why is she not able to get there she was one of in one of mm. the biggest music groups in the world what's going on 
Like, mm. why? Why? Yeah. Yeah. Know. Yeah. We probably went and I think, there. you know what? I... <laughs> and it's that whole concept of like, you know what, like breaking through that glass ceiling, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like, it is really like, and I think that you know, I think we've kind of had a, a, a really good in depth discussion around like, you know, the complexion and like actually it depending on if you're more palatable, well, then, you know, you might supersede actually the talents of mm-hmm. of darker skin uh, individuals, etc. So, yeah, we've had a, a bit of a, a real in depth conversation around that. And I think, yeah, to, your, to what I was saying in terms of like, yeah, how do we break through sometimes that glass ceiling because sometimes that glass ceiling and I think you mentioned it before in previous episodes that it feels like concrete bruv yeah 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 it feels yeah, like yeah for sure concrete. and, it, and, and like, to you, be honest oh sorry go on you were... you know I think like I think it, it just feels like sometimes you're on a, a hamster wheel like you might you felt that you're taking two steps forward and then something happens and you've taken then five steps backwards mm-hmm. and you continue and it is a rat race sometimes and for sometimes sure. and I could experience that myself and I talk from my experience I do feel that I have to really fight hard to break through this glass ceiling or sometimes what I would consider as concrete I think sometimes that people like to just keep me keep and I'm gonna be controversial yeah 100% keep me in in, in the position yeah. no because yeah. actually, you know that I demonstrate this behaviour. You know for a fact if you compare me to my white peers who are in positions or more senior positions than me, you know that I supersede them anyway. So what's mm. so so what's the business case? Talk mm. me through what this business case is exactly. Because yeah. I'm really struggling to understand why Tom, Dick and Harry should be at this level and be getting paid X, Y and Z. And mm. these times there, you got me out here doing it. No, you're taking the piss out of me now, bro. Taking the piss. So I do feel it's really, and again, and I'm such, I'm someone who's quite determined that I'm very ambitious. And Mm. sometimes I'm like, fuck it, I can't be bothered. But other times I'm like, no, no, I'm going to make it a principle. So by hook or by crook. You're going to get there. Hook or by crook, I'm going to get there. Mm -hmm. But then I need to, when I say hook or by crook, I'm not going to sell myself short. And I don't necessarily want to, what do you call it? Uh, dilute my blackness no. and who I am no. in order to get there. So it's going to feel uncomfortable for the individuals, potentially the business and equally myself at the same time. But I do think it's important that I push through because I'm like, you know, this is this for is sure. not happening not on my watch because I think it's important. And I think you mentioned it previously in the other episodes when you're giving the examples of having that black gatekeeper. Yeah. If I am going to get to a position, yes, I would say I am a senior manager of organisation. If I, if I am going to get to a higher position, mm-hmm. then yes, I'm going to do all of that fight and that struggle to pave the way for people yeah. underneath me because it for is sure. massively important. I might not necessarily have any kids. I'm a gay man in it. So I might not have kids in the, in the future. However, if I know that I can mash off the glass ceiling of an organization mm-hmm. right and allow others to come underneath me my little cut brothers sisters whatever whether you are black asian south asian whatever mm-hmm. it is my responsibility if i get to that position of power so henry that is almost like the internal driver but it is hard it's very hard it's really draining and it's very it's taxing long. yeah to, to yeah. feel like you have to go through so many hoops to get to a position or even just to be comfortable and often I have the conversation with myself I've been having it quite a lot lately to be honest that is this is this country the place for me to to reach my career ambitions I'm having that conversation I think a lot of black people might be having that conversation about taking their skills back to their home countries or doing something there because for me I just feel like I'm happy to obviously keep going in my career get to a certain point 
and hopefully have made it, whatever made it might be. Mm. But I'm just thinking about the future of my daughter. I'm just thinking about my retirement. I'm thinking about pension. And I'm thinking to myself, mm. I'm looking at my mum, I'm looking at her peers, I'm looking at my aunts, I'm looking at people, my friends' parents who have slogged. They have slogged in this country. Mm. They've slogged and like paid taxes to only be made to feel like you are not even welcome here when you've helped. Mm. They have helped. I'm not saying they have done it all, but they have helped build this country to what it is. The culture, mm. the things that you enjoy in those gentrified parts of London are because of people like my parents. They're people like my friend's parents. They they are the reason. They are the reason why you have even have your restaurants and because you go to certain parts of Europe baby good luck trying to find your home dish good luck trying to find someone who looks like you yeah like you know I would struggle going to Eastern Europe because I don't think I'm going to be able to find people who look like me and I'm scared I'm going to suffer racism you know when I went to Germany a couple years ago I was really worried I was really anxious um and I found a Ghanaian restaurant full of Ghanaian people and had food that it was great it was great it was so nice to meet like other immigrants from other countries and see how they're doing and stuff. But back to my point, it's really hard to see, especially with how things are currently, how I can keep plugging away at a system that doesn't actually want me or anyone actually, not even just black people or Asian people, or um, ethnic minority groups. They don't want anybody who isn't of a certain wealth bracket to prosper. So I'm just like, well, what am I... I am paying, getting paid this much money to pay this much tax, and now NI, um, and now even to study patient loans, sort of things. and then I can't even. I have to only get nine months paid leave of to look after my child. So I carried her, mm. carried her for nine months. You're only gonna give me money for nine months, and not even the full salary. And then I must take mm. three months unpaid. And then when I go back to work, you are penalizing me for putting my child in care and taking what is God knows how much of my salary to pay for her to be looked after, to go Mm. back into a system that's going to penalise her for the colour of her skin. And because I... So this is like a cycle that I'm just Mm. like, is this a cycle I want to continue doing? Is this a cycle that I want my child to continue doing? Yeah. And I'm getting a bit deep here, but when we really deep it as as cultural groups... Yeah. You go back to Jamaica, you go back to Ghana, and there are black doctors, there are black CEOs, there are people building hotels who are black there are people who have resorts cocktail bars they're doing things and they've got money you can't even busk here you can't even busk in this street (laughs) you have to have a fucking license to busk go to go to go to ghana go tell go tell um auntie who's selling um peanuts that she has to have a a license to sell peanuts she'll throw the peanut in your face are you mad it's not gonna happen but here if i'm even walking my peanut police they'll call the police on me you know Tell yeah, me, yeah, I'm doing yeah. um, what is it? Behavior, antisocial behavior, or that antisocial behavior. You're gonna, yeah, you're gonna no, take sure. me down to Brixton Police Station. <laughs> Are you mad? Oh my god, no. So yeah. I just feel like, yeah, we've really delved into stuff, but I just think we need to think a little bit deeper. What is your future? Because, for example, we have conversation about pensions and all that stuff. Not a lot of black people are clued up on pensions. They're not clued mm. up about. Like, you know, I talk to someone about pensions. She just knows about state pensions. She don't really, she knows about private pension, but they see it as all they're taking their money, etc. That's my family. I'm not saying everyone's parents like that. But I know that sometimes we don't even think about that because we're trying to survive. Yeah, it's true, you know. We're trying to yeah. survive. But your future, yeah. 
okay, you're putting into a property. That's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with having that as a, as a stable investment. But mm. are you even able-bodied enough to work until you're 68, darling? I don't think I can. So I need to think about, I can't yeah. do it. I can't. Yeah, no, I, yeah, My body's right. already failing right. me as it is, mid-30s. Yeah. I cannot. I'm about to go see yeah. a physio. I cannot continue. So... Yeah, so it's really looking at, yeah. yeah. It's time for you me. either have to get to that position yep. where actually the work that you do yes. is minimal. It takes minimal effort, effort and you actually have, whether it's your own business yes. and you've got your, a team underneath you that, that does yes. that. Um or you need to be an entrepreneur, um, or you need to uh, come into somebody and be able to like sustain yourself. But again, all goes back right. to trying to break through that glass ceiling. Right. All goes back to trying to do that. Right. Um, so that is, yeah, that's massively, massively, massively hard. And I think actually, you know, what, a really good, um, yes, you just definitely went deep to actually answer the question, actually, is my future in this country? I haven't never, never necessarily considered uh, that yeah. before. So thank you for challenging. <laughs> I'm challenging you. <laughs> dropping it in there, that little, <laughs> that, dropping that kind of like that question in there. Because you are right. You're right. You know, I just don't know if I would want to go to any other. Yeah, you know, I could live in other countries 100%. Mm-hmm. But I think you are, I think it's in, I think it's really interesting that you say around, you know, people actually taking up their skills and what they've learned and going back to a to, home whether yeah. that's Africa or the Caribbean or wherever really to uh, set up roots because actually the the um uh the quality of life mm-hmm. will be better mm-hmm. from uh from uh yeah from a financial perspective from a, a social perspective mm-hmm. um so yeah I think that that's um that's very interesting you got a timeshare uh, baby because these rich people in the UK they don't stay here they don't stay here they got properties overseas you think I'm not following that same model I'm, I'm not gonna like that's very true they've got properties overseas because when it was the first lockdown let me tell you something there was no cars on my road boy let me tell no you no cars I was like where is everybody Where's going everyone? I was like no but, but these people really did leave the country right. for like six months leaving I was you like, wow. leaving you here to rot while you are yeah. killing yourself <laughs> to pay off your mortgage to own your property for your one property are you mad I'm absolutely building a house back home there's no way um, like yeah. I'm going to retire don't worry I'll be here in the UK time to time now you guys have missed me but I'm spending <laughs> the rest of the year you think I'm spending these dusty winter months in this country I have my goal and I've set my trajectory I've set my 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 10 year plan it's yeah. been set so you know yeah. god willing yeah we we we're we building we're building houses out there you guys are all snatching yeah. wigs and snatches you're all welcome to visit okay um hey. um I, I can't 55 is my retirement age i've already said it so yeah. um we're cashing out early it's not worth it to me no, life is too true. short to be put in a box in the ground or ashes in a jar to be thinking all you did was as a black person work struggled yeah and just struggle just, just work and try to break through that glass oh. that's all you did that's all you did with your whole life right it is so depressing so depressing but at the same time i think it's actually quite liberating yeah <laughs> because yeah. actually you're like right this is what i need to do right. if there's one thing to take away from this little topic of conversation is <laughs> your 10-year plan, 10 year plan everybody wigs are statue irrespective yes. of 
whether you are black, white. This is for all the wigs and statues out there. Get your 10-year plan. Break the system. Exactly. Do not fall into the system. Don't fall into the trap. You know me, the Matrix, baby. Come talk to me about it. Um, we got a whisk glitching. It's time to get out. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you yeah. can't break the glass ceiling, you know what? Take the keys, open the door, walk outside and say bye to the building because sometimes it's not, it's just not worth it. So... Oh, wow. Okay, cool. (laughs) 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 Woo! We got into it again. (laughs) We got into it again. I know. I know. I loved it, though. It's a good good conversation to have, I think. Yeah, Yeah. definitely have that conversation. Like, it's it's okay. You know, and also, I think, just as a finishing thought, like, some of us are really struggling. Like, financially, people are struggling, and we're more likely to struggle because of our our ethnic group and stuff. But I think it's good to talk to people because there's so many ways that we can... I always say the system is sometimes designed to, to keep us where we are. So you have to learn how to play the system because, you know, do you know how many courses you can access for free if you're not working? Do you know how many yeah. courses you could, uh, you can, and I know it's time, there's things you could have children. I'm not saying all those factors are not important, but it's good to talk because you don't know if someone can impart that knowledge to you to help you come out. You, How many success stories have you heard of like someone like they're just baking cakes in their kitchen or whatever. And just by mm. chance, someone shared it. Like, I think as a community, let's come together a little bit and not be so, the system is designed to make us compete against each other, but let's try and stop doing that. Cause yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't want, I want to see us like continue to thrive and prosper. Um, like yeah, everyone and else. I think it is, I think, you know, yeah, it is definitely kind of like that competitive kind of nature. Yeah. And I think it's absolutely fine to have that competitive nature, but at times it can be quite uh, dismantling For to sure. actually the overall growth of that community, of our community. Yeah. So it's actually really looking to your point, actually, the more conversations that we can have the more that we can actually be and I know we mentioned around kind of like you know we've thrown around the words ally mm-hmm. um, and accomplice which I did say in part one that we'll go into in part two but I'm gonna say we're gonna get into it in part three <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get into it in part three um but I think yeah the more that we can be allies to one another I think that really supports kind of like elevate yeah. um you know how we operate and what we need to do in in that space and allows us to hold that space I agree um so yeah no absolutely um I I agree with you we agreed this week last week we did it but this week we're agreeing so <laughs> this week we're agreeing we're agreeing last week we I mean it. next week could be a bit of a school could, could be yeah <laughs> so um we really hope you enjoyed that episode that wasn't too bad we've kept it under one hour five minutes um so yeah hopefully you've taken some away from that and um i just want to say thank you so much to people that have reached out and had conversations with us about episodes and stuff because we really appreciate it and i think that helps us grow as a podcast yeah um it's amazing i think yeah no for sure keep on the keep the feedback coming yeah. um with the and then yeah equally as Latoya said there uh, please feel free to jump in and join the conversation and mm-hmm. you know what if you have an opposing view actually like Again, we're very open to hear that. We're open to, you know, see if you want to jump on the episode. We could discuss Ooh, it. <laughs> maybe it's coming up soon. So that's an open invitation. Yeah, maybe coming up soon. That's an open invitation. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that brings us to the end of another episode. And I really hope you've enjoyed. And wherever you are, we're wishing, sending good vibes only. Um, yeah. Yeah, positive only. You know, it's Libra season, the season of balance, justice, and looking buff so just enjoy balance justice and looking buff love it (laughs) so wishing you all well and take care of yourselves bye bye